You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Abide. Jonah chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. Let's read those verses. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Now, in those verses, we see the response of Jonah, and we see the love of God. And that's really the title of our message today. Today we are looking at Jonah responding to God's relentless love. The response of Jonah to the love of Almighty God. And the reason why I'm covering this today is because every single one of us, like Jonah, we need to respond to God's love. We need to respond to the love of God for us because God's love for us is amazing. right? It is incredible to think about the love of God. It's unconditional, it's unfailing, and it's unending in our life. And and there may be some times, like Jonah, that God will bring you to your breaking point in life in order for you to see how much he loves you. He may bring you to your breaking point because God loves us even when we are unlovable. Even when we run from God, even though we sleep on God, even though we flee from his presence, we rebel, he still loves us. His love for us is unconditional. And the best thing about God is he loves us where we are. Exactly where we are at, spiritually speaking, where we are at in our life, in our journey, he loves us exactly where we are. And once we understand that kind of love, everything changes in our life. And that's what we discover in the story of Jonah. You see, beginning in chapter 2, we see Jonah's prayer to God. Jonah starts to pray to Almighty God finally in Jonah 2. And in this prayer, we learn some things about Jonah, we learn some things about ourselves, and we learn some things about the love of God. And so that's what I want to look at here today. And there are three points concerning the prayer of Jonah that I want to look at. All right, three points concerning Jonah's prayer to God. And I want you to notice this first off, the when of Jonah's prayer. So in Jonah chapter 2, it's all a prayer. Verse 1 to verse number 10 is a prayer from Jonah to God. right? And look what he says in verse number 1 to start the prayer. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. We see that word then there. Now then is a time term. right? Then Jonah prayed. So in order for us to understand when Jonah prayed, we need to look at the verse prior. right? We ended with this verse last week, Jonah 1.17. The Bible says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So this prayer of Jonah occurred after he was swallowed by a whale, after he was swallowed by a great fish. So in other words, Jonah prayed after the trial. All right, He prayed after he experienced some tribulations in his life. He prays. When the circumstances get really, really bad. But it wasn't until the situation was hopeless that Jonah decided to pray. 
And that's kind of what we've been looking at about this reluctant, rebellious prophet. We see his reluctance still here, right? Waiting to pray until after the trial. Right? We actually learned in Jonah chapter 1 that not only was Jonah reluctant to pray, but he actually refused to pray. When the pagan sailors were praying to their gods, little g, to try to get the storm to cease, and the shipmaster said to Jonah, arise and call upon thy God, what did Jonah do? He refused. He didn't pray. Even when the pagan sailors started praying to the one true God, Jehovah, Jonah still refused to pray. He was still reluctant to pray to God. You see, Jonah was given ample opportunity to pray to God. He could have prayed when he backed his, packed his bags and made his way to Joppa. He could have prayed on the ship instead of sleeping, right? Or he could have prayed after they casted him into the sea, after they threw him overboard, but he didn't do so. No, it happened after he was swallowed by a whale, after he was at his breaking point, after the trial. There were all kinds of times when Jonah could have prayed, right? But it, it, it took bringing Jonah to the very point of death, to the worst possible situation in his life before he decided to pray. Now, let me ask you, what situation does it take for you to start praying? What situation does it take in your life for, for you to start praying? Because too often, we look at prayer as our last resort rather than our first response. Right? We go to everything else, every other solution before we go to God in prayer. Corey Tenboom once asked this question. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And that's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. Is prayer our steering wheel or our spare tire? But prayer really, it needs to be our steering wheel today, right? It's not something that we go to once everything else has failed, once it's our last resort. No, prayer is meant to be a constant ongoing, continual part of our lives. Us having a one-on-one -on -one conversation throughout the day with us and God, right? Jesus says in Luke 18 and verse 1 that men ought always to pray and not to faint, right? Continually praying to God, an ongoing conversation. We're told to pray without ceasing, right? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirits with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6, 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, right? We're told to pray always, it's meant to be constant, not a spare tire. F.B. Meyer said it this way. He said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. You see, Jonah refused to pray, and he experienced tragedy. But once he prayed, after Jonah chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10, after the prayer was done, he experienced triumph. He experienced a miracle in his life, which is really cool. But at this moment, as he's praying, it's tragic. He's swallowed up by a whale. His life is about to end, right? He prayed after the trial. But in addition to him praying after the trial, we also find out that Jonah prayed when he came to the end of himself. When he came to the end of himself, that's when he decided to finally pray. You see, all throughout the beginning chapters of this book, we see Jonah relying on himself, right? Now, he's a prophet of God, right? One of the, the main points of being a prophet is you're not relying on yourself. You're relying on Almighty God, right? Same with being a pastor, right? That's one of the job descriptions, right? Relying on God. But all throughout this book, he's not doing that. Or all throughout the first two chapters, he relied on his will 
He said no to God. I'm going to do my will, not your will, God. He relied on his resources. The Bible tells us that he paid the fare and got on the ship to sail to Tarshish. He paid for it himself, right? His resources, and he relied on his reasoning. Do you want to know whose idea it was to be thrown overboard into the sea? It wasn't the pagan sailors. It wasn't God's idea. It was Jonah's. He said, throw me overboard. Again, he relied on his reasoning. Every time we see Jonah making a decision, it's based on self, right? It was all on Jonah. He was relying on his strength and not God's. But once Jonah was out of options, once Jonah had no hope, no plan, nowhere to run, no resources, that's when Jonah decided to pray. It wasn't until he realized that he can't do it. That's when he prayed. And so let me ask you another question today. When are you going to realize that you can't do it on your own? When are you going to realize that you can't live this life successfully in and of yourself, right? You are going to fail if you rely on your strength. And I'm not being mean when I say that. No, God created us in such a way that we need him. Right? It's in our DNA. We need a creator. We need God. We need God's strength in our life. We need to be utterly and completely reliant on him in our daily lives. It's a part of our job description as humans. Right? We need God today. And, and Jesus actually said that. Did you know that? Jesus said so when he was talking to his disciples in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, he said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he says this, for without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can't accomplish anything. Nothing of lasting value can be accomplished apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus is talking to his disciples there, and he gives the illustration of a vine and a branch. And he says, just as a vine and a branch need each other, the, we need each other, right? The branch, in order to grow fruit, needs to be attached to the vine. And I meant to bring a branch as an illustration today, uh, so we're just going to make sure make, this is going to be our branch today. I'm not going to break this today, guys. I broke this last week. Not going to do that today. But this is a branch, right? Now, this branch really wants to grow. This branch really wants to bear fruits. He really, 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 really wants to. But no matter how hard he tries, he can't grow. Now, why is that? It's not attached to anything, right? But if it was attached to the vine, if it was attached to a tree, it could grow. It could bear fruit. It could be exactly what it was intended to be. Well, that's the same way with us. Right? If we want to grow, if we want to be who God called us to be, if we want to bear fruits, that fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, right? we need to be attached to the vine. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. You and I will never be who God called us to be until we come to the end of ourselves and rely completely and totally and solely on Jesus Christ for everything. Right? That's the when of Jonah's prayer, though, after the trial and after he came to the end of himself. But I want you to notice, secondly, not only the when of his prayer, but also the why. 
of Jonah's prayer. Why is Jonah praying in this moment? Well, we find the answer when we look at verse number 2. Jonah 2.2, 2, look what the Bible says there. The Bible says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So Jonah prayed when the circumstances got really, really bad. Right? We learned that in point number one, the when of his prayer, he prayed after the trial. When the circumstances got really, really bad, that's when Jonah decided to pray. Now, you can say that's good, right? Jonah is on the men's. Jonah's doing the right thing, right? Well, not as great as you think. It looks good from the outside looking in, but if we look at the situation in light of its context, it's not as great as you'd think. You see, in verse number one, Jonah was at his breaking point, right? He was at the end of himself and he had to pray. But in verse number two, Jonah is still missing the point. Jonah is still missing the mark. He was praying, yes, but he was praying with a me-centric mindset. This reason for his prayer was a selfish reason. Look at verse number two again. The Bible says, I cried by reason of mine affliction. So by reason, that tells me why, right? Because why gives me reasons, and the reason is mine affliction. I cried by reason of mine affliction. So Jonah is saying there, I prayed because it was really, really bad for me, right? That's why he prayed. Now, that's good, right, if you look at it at face value. But if we look at it in light of its context, man, it's pretty shallow. Honestly, if you think about it, it's kind of selfish on his end because Jonah is not praying because God is hurting. Jonah is praying because he is hurting, right? Jonah doesn't feel bad about running from God, about fleeing from God's presence. No, he feels bad for himself. He feels sorry for himself. Jonah is not concerned about God's heart. Jonah is concerned about his hurt, right? Where's God's heart at? God's heart is in Nineveh, right? He wanted Jonah to go and preach repentance to the Ninevites so they could repent and get right with God, right? That's where God's heart is at, right? But Jonah still doesn't have that heart for the Ninevites. No, Jonah is praying, which is good, but he's praying because of himself. Woe is me. He feels sorry for himself. You know, and sometimes I... I wonder, do we only cry out to God because of our hurt rather than God's heart? I could be like that, man. Dude, when I was studying for this message, you talk about somebody that was convicted, right? I can struggle with that, right? Only praying for my needs, only praying for my hurt, not God's heart, not where God's heart is at, right? We can, we can be like that from times, and I got to say, it's pretty selfish. It really is. But understand this now. You see, God used this selfish reason in order to teach Jonah spiritually. You see, God, God loved Jonah where he was. Jonah was selfish, yes. Jonah made mistakes, yes. Jonah only cared about him, yes. But God used that in order to reach Jonah. And we find out that it transitions into something great. You see, the selfish reason of Jonah led to a scriptural reflection in Jonah's life. You see, as Jonah is praying to God in the belly of this whale, in the belly of this great fish, God starts putting verses and promises into the mind of Jonah, which is so cool. And Jonah, as he's praying, he starts to find comfort in the word of God. Now, you can say, Michael, how do you know that to be true? 
How do you know that's the case? Well, in Jonah chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4, it's literally just Jonah quoting scripture. He's literally quoting verse after verse after verse in the book of Psalms. Right? Eight different times in Jonah 2 and verses 1 through 10, he reflects on the word of God. Eight different passages of scripture. It's just one big prayer and one big Bible verse. One big reflection. You want to know what that tells me? That tells me that Jonah, in his darkest moment, is being ministered to by the scripture that he already knows. He's being comforted by the word of God that he already knows. Right? He didn't have a Bible in there. Right? Jonah, in the whale, he didn't have a Bible to look at. He didn't have a Bible to carry. No, but he had the Bible in his heart. Right? And so as he's going through this dark time, as he's going through this terrible situation, and he starts praying to God, these verses start coming to his mind, and they start comforting him. Right? That's why it's so important to hide God's word in our hearts. Because when you're in a dark moment, when you're in a trial, and you need guidance, God will bring those verses to your mind. Right? And there are 7,000 promises that you can cling to, with your name on it, take a couple of them, memorize it, meditate on it, because in those bad moments, God will bring those verses to mind. And that's exactly what happens with Jonah in this dark moment. Look at what Jonah says in verse number two. All right, Jonah says this. He says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Now, do you want to know what he's referring to there? He's actually referring to the Psalms. He starts reflecting on the Psalms of David. Now, it's really cool. The Psalms of David were written 250 years before Jonah even came into the picture, right? But Jonah was raised on the Word of God. Jonah knew the Word of God. Jonah meditated on the Word of God. So in his dark moments, God brings those verses to mind to comfort him. You see, Jonah, when he said that in verse number 2, he was actually reflecting on Psalm 18 and verse number 6. In Psalm 18 and verse 6, David says this. He says, in my distress or the same Hebrew word affliction, synonym, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard. Jonah said that same thing, right? I cried unto my God in my affliction, and he heard me, right? He's quoting scripture there, Psalm 18 and verse 6, but it gets really interesting when we actually look at the background of this verse in Psalm 18. And Jonah knew the background of the Psalms very well. You see, Psalm 18 and verse number 6 was a time when David made a bad decision. When David made a bad choice. You see, in Psalm 18, David made a choice to run from God. David made a choice to flee God's presence. He said, God, you can't protect me. King Saul was trying to kill King David at this time. And so he flees from God. He runs from God. He doesn't believe that God can protect him. And he goes to this town called Achish. And as he's in the city of Achish, he pens these words. He realizes that he made a bad decision, that he ran from God, and he says, in my distress, in my affliction, I called upon God, and he heard me. Right? And so Jonah is reflecting on Psalm 18. Right? He's reflecting on what happened 250 years ago, and he's applying it to his life. And he's saying, God, there have been other people who have ran from you. There have been other people who have fled from your presence. King David ran from you. He made a bad choice. God, I made a bad choice. And you delivered Jonah or you delivered David. And God, I'm saying, please deliver me. Right? He's finding comforts in the word of God. 
Right? Can I tell you today, this book right here is for our comfort. The Bible says that the Old Testament was written for our example. Right? So when, when we're going through difficulties in our life, when we are going through hard times, we can go to God and we can say, God, I went through this awful situation. I'm going through this terrible situation right now. But David went through this. Jonah went through this. And you worked all things together for good. So God, I ask you to do the same. Right? We can find comfort in the word of God just like Jonah did. Jonah found comforts in the Psalms, but it's really, really cool. It doesn't stop there. No, he continues quoting scripture here. Look at verse number three. Jonah goes on to say, For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. Now, it's interesting. You would think this verse would be solely for Jonah, right? Since he's the only person who experienced this, all thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. I'm not sure of any other prophet that experienced that physically, right? Drowning in the ocean. I don't see that in the scriptures, right? But Jonah is actually quoting scripture here once again, right? He's actually quoting a psalm that's very familiar to us, Psalm 42, another psalm of David. Now, Psalm 42 is one of the darkest and most depressing psalms in all the Bible. David wrote this psalm at his lowest point in life, at his darkest moment in life. He said, I am in hell. I am crying, um, and I can't control it. He's talking about the stress, and it's completely a psalm of lament, a psalm of suffering. And, and right in the middle of David's lament in Psalm 42, he said this verse, or these words in Psalm 42 and verse 7. He said, deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. And then he said, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So Jonah said, all thy waves and thy billows, they passed over me. David, all thy waves and all thy billows are, are gone over me. Now, why did David say that? David wasn't a sailor. David never sailed across the Mediterranean Sea like Jonah, right? Why, why would he say that in that moment? Well, he's describing how he felt. Right? David is saying here, as he's talking to God, he's saying, God, it feels like I'm drowning into the sea. Right? Every time I try to come up for air, every time I try to come up for a breather, it feels like the waves just hit, are hitting me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I'm low. He's describing a panic attack there. And Jonah, as he's in the belly of the whale, he's, he's reflecting on this psalm, and he's saying, that's how I feel. What David went through, I, I, I'm feeling that way. I can't breathe. I'm overwhelmed. I'm low. I'm depressed. I'm going through that same thing. And God, I know that you deliver David. I know that he made mistakes. I know that he slipped up. I know that he was low and he was a man after your own hearts, right? You delivered him out of that darkness. You delivered him out of that depression. And God, I messed up. I made mistakes, but do the same thing for me. He found comfort in the word of God. And there are many more I could reference, right? Eight different references here in Jonah chapter two. But the point is, Jonah found comfort in the word of God. Jonah found comfort in this book right here, and it's really cool, all right? In Jonah 1, there was a time when Jonah ran from the word of God, right? 
Jonah 1.1, 1, 1, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise and go. Jonah said no. Right, so what was he doing? He was running from the word of God. But now in Jonah chapter 2, he is running to and reflecting on God's word. How cool is that? Right, Jonah's affliction led to reflection. Jonah's trial led to triumph. Right, we see the why of Jonah's prayer. We see the when of Jonah's prayer. And then number three, and I'm done. I want you to notice the wow of Jonah's prayer. You see, this time of affliction and time of reflection in the life of Jonah led to something wonderful in Jonah's life. Let's look at verse 2 again. All right, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now we see two things there. We see a time of affliction. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction. It was a time of affliction. But then we see a time of reflection. I cried to God, and he heard me. He heard me when I pray. What's he doing there? He's reflecting. And this thought right here leads to all of the pieces coming together for Jonah. All of the pieces coming together for this prodigal prophet. Everything connects after he thinks about that. You see, this thought in Jonah's life leads back to a personal relationship for Jonah. Look at verse 2 again. The Bible says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. So in the beginning of this verse, God is just part of the conversation. right? He's just reflecting on what happens. right? He's a part of this conversation. The Lord's in the third person. The Lord, he heard me. He's saying what happened. But as he begins to reflect on the situation, as he begins to think about what God has done, the fact that God heard him, his outlook changes. Right, look what he goes on to say there. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. You heard my voice. You see, whenever you see the word thou in the Bible, it's always singular. It's never plural. Thou is singular. So when he said, thou heardest me, it was one-on-one -on -one between Jonah and God. He's not just reflecting on what happened. The Lord is no longer in the third person. It is a one-on-one -on -one conversation between Jonah and God. You see, as he's reflecting, it becomes personal for Jonah. He says, I, I cried unto God, and you heard me. You heard my cry. You were listening to me. And he starts talking to God. He begins to have a personal relationship with the Lord again. He fled from the presence of the Lord. He wanted nothing to do with God. But now we see Jonah fellowshipping with Almighty God. Can I tell you today, a key in prayer is when prayer becomes personal. When prayer becomes personal between you and God, right? That's ultimately what this is all about. It's not about religion. I hate religion with a passion. Religion sucks. It really does. Sorry to use that terminology. I hate religion, though. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? If we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we get to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the creator of the world, the God of the universe. We get to talk with him. We get to walk with him. God is a first-person God. And Jonah recognized that. 
right? There are too many of us today, though, that we're praying to God in the third person. We're praying to God with no connection, no oneness. No, God wants to be best friends with you. God wants you to come to the point where we say, thou, you, you did this one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's what Jonah realized here. That's what Jonah realized in verse number two. And after he realized this, Jonah never goes back. No, this reflection turns into a realization and it leads to a relationship with God. Look at verse number three now. He says, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. What do we see there? We see thou, thy, thy, all singular. Jonah and God, Jonah and God, Jonah and God. He's just talking to God here. He's talking to God. He's praying to God. And as he does this, it begins to dawn on Jonah that God never left him. Right? He says, for thou cast me into the deep. Thy billows and thy waves passed over me. He's saying, it was you. You were the one that prepared the storm. You were the one that prepared the fish. You were the one that swallowed me up. You never gave up on me. You never left me. I fled from you, but you followed me. That's incredible. That's amazing to think about. It becomes a personal relationship again. And I want you to know today, God is pursuing you in that same way. God is following you in that same way. You may be running from God. You may be in this point in your life where you're rebelling against God. You want to do your will and not God's will. But all the while, God's knocking on your heart. And God's following you every step of the way. He's omnipresent. And he wants a relationship with you. And it's the most amazing thing on the face of the earth. And it's so awesome how this worked. Right? This, this, this reflection of Jonah led to a realization of Jonah, which led to a relationship. And this relationship sparked a powerful response in Jonah's life. All right, so Jonah, as we know him today, he's probably one of the worst prophets. Rebellious, reluctant, wants nothing to do with God. But God brought him to his breaking point, and now he gets to experience his blessing point. Look at what Jonah says in verse number four, in the belly of the whale, at his lowest points, at the very point of death. He says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He's saying, I feel like I'm in hell. I feel like I'm in Sheol. I've, I've hit rock bottom in life. I am going to die. My sin brought me there. Nevertheless, my last breath, my last will is to follow you. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I die. I don't care what occurs. But I will look again toward thy holy temple. A powerful response. What do we see here? He's repentant. Right? He will look again. Now, in Old Testament understanding, to look to the temple means to look to God. Right? Because the temple had the Shekinah glory, right? the presence of God. When they would pray in the Old Testament, they would literally direct their attention toward the temple. And he's saying, I will look again. I'm looking to God. Right? I'm, I'm turning my back from all of my problems, from all of my situations, and I am going to bask in the presence of God. You see, we looked at Jonah's response, but it ends with Jonah's repentance and Jonah's return. Back to a personal 
relationship with God. He repents and turns back. Now, now why did he do that? Why did Jonah repent and turn back to God? It was not out of fear. No, it was because he realized just how much God loves him. He was with him all along. You see, it all boils down to knowing the love of God. Knowing the magnitude of God's love. Knowing that God is relentless in his pursuit for us. The love of God. You see, in closing today, I want you to know God's love is something special. God's love is amazing. It was Henry Drummond that once wrote in his classic book on the great love chapter in the Bible that, and I quote, God's love is the greatest thing in the world. And it is. It is the greatest thing in the world to know the love of God. Right? That's why the Bible calls love the bond of perfectness. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. You see, the love of God is the epitome of it all. And once we truly begin to, to grasp the magnitude of God's love, there really is only one response. To use the words of Jonah, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple.